So today I'm live with DJ Sober. DJ Yo. Sober is in the house. Literally. Yeah. <coughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for giving your time. And I kind of wanted to go into the history of DJ Sober. Okay. I don't think I really know that story as far as I do know that you kind of started with house music, but I didn't know like... I don't know, the early sober. Yeah, like the name origin and all of that. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> the whole thing. Adolescent sober. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess it uh, kind of starts back in in middle school. I was like really into just all types of music, but uh, I started listening to Edge Club on <clears throat> 94.5 The Edge on, I think it was Saturday night. It's either Friday or Saturday. It was on a weekend. Uh, with Jeff K and he would always have live DJs come in and do sets. I mean, everybody <clears throat> from local people to Moby, whoever, but it was all electronic music based on that show. And I would stay up and <clears throat> actually record the show on, on cassette. So I would stay up every weekend, you know, it was like too young to go out or whatever. It was definitely like <clears throat> later, middle school, early high school, at least, uh, that I, that I really got into that probably more like freshman year of high school. So I would just, I would just record those shows and kind <clears> of <throat> archive them and, and, uh, listen and learn. But yeah, I, uh, I got really heavy into that and I wanted to buy turntables and I just wanted to be around it. So I actually used to, uh, at that point in time in the early nineties, a lot of places or a lot of people, DJs, I guess, that weren't doing underground music or DJing parties and stuff like that were switching over to digital. So I would call old uh, roller skating rinks and bowling alleys to ask if they had turntables wow. to see if they'd want to sell them because I, I didn't have a lot of money. So I would call and the lady would, <clears throat> sometimes they would call, uh, they would go like, we do have some old turntables in the back. Let me check. And they'd never be the 1200s or whatever I was looking for. <laughs> but I ended up buying a set from, there was a club in Fort Worth called The Crossing. And, um, I mean, they had they had dance nights, but the Toadies would play there all the time, a lot of local bands. And it changed owners, and the owner that bought it ended up having a set, having a set of turntables already. So he sold me the set that were at the club. And they were Techniques 1200s, but they were, I mean, they had been through the ringer. They looked like they had fallen off a truck. They were beat up. I bought those and a <clears throat> crappy mixer for like 500 bucks. But, you know, I saved up and, and got it. And I would just like lock myself in the bedroom and and, uh, and practice with the few records I had. But, yes, uh, I did learn to to mix house music before I bought any hip-hop records. I mean, I had hip-hop tapes and all that. I was listening to it, but... Uh, there was a Fort Worth DJ named Yu Chin, and he lived in Everman, <clears throat> and I used to go over there, watch him mix or whatever, and he was the first DJ I saw at a house party with actual turntables. And when I was there, I just kind of watched him the whole night and was just amazed at what I was seeing. And then after that, we became cool through mutual friends, and he taught me how to the basics of beat matching and blending and all that. And I think that's one thing that I, that I always... I think it it influenced my style very early. Like learning how to mix house, I still try to blend nearly everything 
with hip hop, R and B or whatever genre I'm playing. It's not like I just slam every record or whatever. A lot of, I mean, people have different styles. There's certain times for everything, but I still try to, to mix a lot of things just because I'm very particular about mixing and what goes together sonically and all that. So house, house cats are really about that. You know, it's about the smooth transition the long blends and everything so how old were you when um you were doing that with that other dj um i mean i bought turntables and got into when i was 16 Mm. so that's when when it all kind of started and i was going to parties in dallas at that point in time I, i hung out with the older crowd so they would take me out and get me into all these warehouse parties that i shouldn't have been at but i mean it was awesome you can't you can't really recreate that at this point in time there was a that was a time period that will never happen again and not to sound like a old you know old guy just like saying it used to be so much better i'm just saying that it was pre-social media and all that so there was a lot of cool um, organic yeah secret locations and stuff that these days it would be it would be blown up on the internet right away and right. you know drop pins and location shared and all that so you know, it, there might have been a party and then some cats might come through with a little piece of paper with a pager number for the after party. And it's, it's a very, like a process to actually mm-hmm. get there, figure out where the where the after party location was. So it, I was fortunate enough to catch that. Uh, there were some guys in Dallas that were very forward um, in the early mid-90s called Hazy Days Collective. And they were very DIY, organic, crew of dudes who had a bunch of spots on lock and generators and vans and they would they would throw all these parties one dude was from london and the other guy was from dallas and they joined forces and and used to do do parties crazy parties yeah i heard about those i was still probably i don't know how old you are but probably i think um i mean i was still in fort worth back then yeah, I, I'm from Fort Worth. I just used to spend my weekends out here. But those guys, the same dudes, kind of from the same, uh, under the same umbrella, had a record store right where, uh, I guess that, w- whatever, next to Fallout Lounge, I think, what was that bar that used to have the jazz night in the back? Um, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. So okay. IGS record store was there, and a couple of dudes lived above mm. it. And... Sandaga was SOA was the club. Okay. And there were there was a lot of really good <clears throat> house and and uh dance nights that happened at SOA like right down the street. Um and then as far as uh kind of the name uh the name sober I was I was going to these parties and warehouse parties and all that and I I've always been into art and drawing. So I I started getting into graffiti. There was a kid from my school that was from L.A., and he would come to class and tag all over papers and everything, and I, I didn't really understand. I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, practicing my name. And I didn't know that you had, like, a specific name that you wrote and all these other things. I knew about graffiti style, and I was drawing things that were very graffiti-influenced through skateboarding and all that, but I didn't know all the ins and outs of, like, having a tag name and a tag or a piece or a throw up all these things. So this guy kind of schooled me and I just would practice on my own time. And then there was 
at some of these where illegal warehouse parties, there would be tags in the bathroom or on the outside of the building and where I'd go in and I, there, the wall would be blank and I would leave and there'd be like all these fresh tags. So I ended up meeting a couple of kids from Fort Worth, uh, in the bathroom one time they were like hitting their names up and I was like, Oh, whoa. And so started really hanging out with a lot of graffiti writers and, and getting into that. And one time I was actually in the parking lot of SOA on, on, um, <clears throat> what is that industrial or no, uh, right over there. Um, exposition okay. and w- hanging out with some guys. And one of them was like, Oh, you should write sober. That should be your name. And, uh, because you don't do anything, you don't party or drink <laughs> or whatever. And I was like, whoa, I like that. So it, that just kind of was it. He he suggested it, and and just like this light bulb went off, and I was like, that's that's a good, that's a good name. Yeah. It's fitting. So uh, I started practicing that. So it it actually came from graffiti before I started DJing. Mm. Um, I had turntables, but I didn't have a DJ name, and then. Somebody was throwing a house party, I think, in Arlington or something, and they said, uh, oh, we're making a flyer. You know, this was pre-text or whatever, so I was on the phone with them. And so they kind of put me on the spot, and they said, oh, we're making a flyer for the party that you're DJing. Uh, what do, what's your DJ name? And I, I just said, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never, I haven't gotten that far. I didn't buy turntables or start DJing to necessarily do it for people. It was just something that... I wanted to learn and practice in my bedroom. So I was, you know, I was stoked to be on a, a flyer. But yeah. so so they kind of put me on the spot and they're like, well, we got to put something on there. So I was like, I guess just put sober because uh, people call me that. People call my parents' house and say, is sober there? And my parents are probably like, <laughs> what is going on? But uh, definitely a probably a better name for parents to, to hear yeah, than, than exactly. other things. But yeah, so that's kind of how... Uh, it's kind of how the DJ name came about. And then just as time went on, it, you know, it just kind of stuck. And I felt like, um, as far as like going to parties and being around the scene, I saw a lot of things at the age of 16 that were crazy. And so it kind of turned me off of, of dabbling in those things myself. And it's not like I ever made the decision to be preachy or, or whatever it's just a decision i made and i saw a lot of stuff happening around me that that uh they kind of put a bad taste in my mouth like i i hung out with people sometimes that couldn't function unless they were high or i felt like they were there for different reasons than i was i was there for the music and sometimes people didn't really know about the dj or the other things going on and i <clears throat> it would kind of bum me out you know just be like oh you're you're here for one reason I'm here for this reason. Not that the other people or people who party or whatever aren't somewhere for the music. It's just maybe maybe some of the people I was around uh just kinda skewed skewed it for me. So I yeah. the further time went on, the kind of more I didn't care about going that route. I was spending my money on equipment or records or whatever. So I kind of thought it was cooler. The older I got, people were like, what? You've never done anything? And so I felt different. I felt like <clears throat> I was different than people, but not because I was trying to be, but a lot of people would always say that, wow, that's really commendable or yeah. whatever, being around this all the time and not doing it. So I, I kind of thought it was cool. And then I wanted the name to be literal after a certain point. I was like, well, I guess I should just roll with this, you know, just 
kind of became who I am. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. So did you have any parties in Fort Worth? <clears throat> Man, uh, I remember there were some guys that did throw warehouse parties back then. Um, but as far as me like getting into the scene and starting to DJ, the, the most I ever did was really house parties. Um, even, yeah, just just my influence and, and growing up was always Dallas because it was really, this is where it was happening. Yeah. So even though I'm from Fort Worth and I definitely never hide that fact or, <clears throat> you know, Fort Worth is what made me who I am as far as like, as far as school and, and hearing the type of music I was hearing growing up and everything like that, it, it influenced me to this day. But as far as going out and the nightlife, I just feel like Dallas, I mean, in the <clears throat> especially in the 90s, had a lot going on. So I was always around since since then. Yeah. Um. So when did, because um, I mean, I think I, came across you the first time probably late 2000s or mid to late 2000s for the party yeah the party was from 06 to 09 as far as yeah. us as a collective was that was the the little so that was run. nature select, select and myself yeah. yeah so nature started the party by himself after he lived in Puerto Rico for a while moved to New York and started it there and then came back here and, and the party kind of started locally in Denton mm. and then select was going out there and checking them out. They had known each other since back in the day as did nature and I. And so nature kind of put select on Serato back then. Like uh, that was very new and taught him about, Oh yeah, there's this thing called Serato. You could play digitally and they were just running a lot of tunes that were a lot of people w weren't playing together at that time or new stuff. You know, that was a very exciting time blog wise, yeah. a lot of things happening and a lot of parties kind of kicking off around, around the U S that it were open format is what people say now, but just kind of throwing everything in one night. I think that not that even, not that that's a new concept. People, DJs have been doing that forever, but at that point in time, it was kind of new with some of the genres that were popular with Baltimore Club and Electro and Juke and all these other things that are regional and other DJs at other places playing them and mixing them all up and then playing old school stuff and hip hop and Southern rap and right. everything. I think <clears throat> it was really a time where people were realizing like they didn't want to go to a club and just hear one thing all night, you know what I mean? Yeah. For four hours. So right. it was like, it was an exciting time. And I think it was cool what was happening in Dallas at that time. A lot of people were doing stuff like uh culture wise. I mean, there was like addict and there was another store called peg and they were having events and then the party and then sour grapes were really kicking things off. There were some cats called Cultura Fina that had a blog and kind of like, following like streetwear stuff and traveling and and blogging about their trips and so it was it was kind of it was a really exciting time because at our parties everybody was coming together and you didn't you didn't really see that before you had right. the skaters and the hip-hop kids and what quote-unquote hipsters at the mm -hmm. time you know what i mean it was just a it was a good mixture of yeah. all types of people 
under one roof, and that all kind of started at Zubar. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Um, yeah, so what what are you working on now? What do you, I mean, as far as um, the weeklies here in Dallas? Uh, I mean, weekly-wise, I just have my residency at Beauty Bar, which is seven years strong. And so I kind of like to keep the weekends open because that's when I travel or get offers to do other stuff. I've, I've never really... I've never really had a weekend weekly just because yeah. I like to I like to have that flexibility. Right. Um, I'm excited about the the beauty bar relocation, even though yeah. you know it's kind of bittersweet because yeah. that's where it started, and I right. feel like the new spot's going to be bigger, which is allows it room to grow. I'm sure the sound system's going to be bumping, knowing Brooke, and like yeah. <laughs> it'll do. But um, I think part of the charm of beauty bar as it is now is that it does feel like a house party and that mm -hmm. crowded uh situation that happens post midnight is like i mean even though it's crowded and some people complain i know they also that's part of why they come right but i think it'll be cool um it'll kind of it'll kind of uh refresh things mm -hmm. i think because it's been around for quite a while and still going strong but it'll It'll get people excited about Beauty Bar again, and then Deep Ellum's just so crazy these days. I feel like it'll it'll open all the nights up to a new, a bunch of fresh ears as well. Like right. the staple, the the regulars will come, but then there'll be like a whole bunch of new people that'll be able to check it out. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and then as far as other projects, actually, uh, you mentioned you had Sudi on the show. Her and I are working on an EP right now of all house music. So like really deep stuff. Wow. Yeah. So we're going to go, uh, the project is like an alias thing, Tommy and Linda. So oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be doing that probably this summer, dropping it. So, so originals. Yeah. Nice. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. It sounded, it sounded really good and, uh, yeah. Pumped on that. Well, kudos to that. Uh, can't wait to hear it. And you also did something called Booty Fade as well. Is yeah, that yeah. Still going on? Yeah, I just kind of put it on pause just because Picnic and I both got busy with our own stuff. Like he's, I saw he just did his uh, album like preview the other day at the Belmont, and he's been working on that. That's been like a long right. time coming. So he's working on that, and then I just got I got busy with a lot of other stuff. So we have stuff that we've. It, just need to like finalize that's kind of sitting there but yeah we've it's been a bit before we, since we've like been in the studio together. do you guys have a release with booty fade of original stuff yeah we actually have a <clears throat> project that we put out and that was all i mean it's all original production but uh samples all dallas artist okay kind of flips them into different stuff but yeah we have that and then a handful of like loose releases that were like r&b remixes that we did like a brandy of faith evans and erica but nothing like really like straight up original i mean as far as like a song y'all did yeah i mean all, that's on itunes or something all of it is more remix based no. but i mean all the tracks original but just the vocal samples were Originally, the the first little EP was all Dallas-based stuff. 
And that's on iTunes? Um, I think it is. It's all on SoundCloud for okay. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I was just wondering, or I, normally I try to end the, the <coughs> podcast with some type of original music from my art from an artist, yeah. but I didn't know what you really had. If we don't have anything, then that's cool too. But yeah, maybe uh, maybe I can give you a snippet of something that uh, Sudi and I have worked on. We still kind of got to get that stuff mastered and figured out on that that end. But yeah, no worries. I mean, I'll probably try to get the podcast out. Maybe you know later on today or something. Okay, like that. cool. But uh, I was just wondering what my options were. Um, yeah, just talking to you, I, I kind of forgot that. I was lucky enough to do something with with you and A1 back in the day at Barceline. Yeah. And we uh, kind of went all out and did a photo shoot. thought that was cool. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, A1 was really part of that early movement in Dallas that influenced me. So I used to hear A1 and Scotty uh, Red Eye on Edge Club right. when I was a little kid. I mean, they're both a few years older than me, so... They were already doing their thing, and so one, I think one of the first parties I went to, there was a warehouse over, which is now the Design District, on Levy Street. It was a Hazy Days party, and it got busted, and they've loaded the van with the all the equipment and generators, and we're headed to a new location. Whoever I was with was like, oh, I'll ride with these guys. Well, ended up, I was in A1's car. He had like a little Volkswagen Fox and it was packed full of people, somebody up front, me in the back with two or three other people, and there was a big keyboard, like, across my lap, and I was, like, this 16-year-old kid, like, oh, my God, you know, just, like, I'm in A1's car, and yeah. I'm holding equipment, you know, I you know, I thought that was the coolest thing at that point, uh, just being, being in the mix, you know, and so from that point on, we became cool, and, uh, yeah, I met, I met a lot of people, way back then early on so well uh, you know i also ad admire you know obviously your longevity in this business and also i mean i've you know being a musician you kind of have to get into djing as well just to wear a couple other hats you know right and, right and you know i just admire like can you go into it seems like you're very zen-like in in djing as far as because i mean that's mainly what you do for right, your right. income and like how i don't know how you per se maybe not get burnt out or because i mean i i i just you know i've done it for the last five or six years and it's not one of my favorite things to do <laughs> i mean like for money right right you know like i like doing it but you know, just the request and... True. Um, um, I think, like, for me, like I said, when I got into it, it was more a passion thing. So when I was doing... When I was DJing in my bedroom and learning and practicing my craft, I didn't really ever foresee doing it for money. So it was more about something I just wanted to do. And when that time came, you know, in 2006, when I joined forces with Select and Nature, I had a... Uh, a corporate job and I quit just because I wasn't happy and I was like I want to 
DJ. If I don't try to do this now, like just full force, I probably never will. And that was a, it was a big deal because I had a job with benefits and everything. I went from making money and having a cushion, knowing I'm just going to get a paycheck to not knowing anything and just talking, having a conversation with nature on the phone and being like, dude, I'm, I'm on the same page as you are like music wise. I'm listening to all these things. Like I really, you know, and he, him and I knew each other and he knew about, you know, the art side of what I did. And I felt like he, he knew I would be an asset to the crew. And so I just quit and, and just took this chance. And so at that point in time, I took a lot of what I learned from the marketing side of the job I had into the, the party. So we assembled like a street team cause I had managed a street team before mm-hmm. we did all these things. Like nature was like, very he's he's just a smart dude so he had a plan as far as the aesthetics and the the visuals of the party and then like i said i took a lot of the stuff i had just learned i'm like oh this stuff's fresh top of mind let's like get these guys together we would have like meetings with our street team we would reward with you know we would give them things like if they if they did a super good job like we would connect like with one of our like the sneaker store and be like oh you get a gift card from addict because you went above and beyond and like all these things like we had a well-oiled machine back when nature lived in uh on ross like we would have we would like work from his kitchen we set it up like an office and select would come over there when he got off work and we would all do our things like you know we might have like picked up flyers select come scoops them up me and him hit the streets with those and it was just like we had dry erase boards with things that needed to be done and like we were serious about it and i think for me it was something i had to do like i had to hustle and like make sure this popped off because i had nothing else to fall back on and i think one one thing, as far as you mentioned longevity, was a really cool thing is at that point in time, we had monthlies, um, and we had them in different cities. We worked up our way, because Zubar was That's here, right. and it was like crazy. The line was around the building, and then we had one at the Mohawk in Austin. We had one at Boondocks in Houston, and then we had another monthly here that was all ages at the loft uh, yeah, I remember inside that. the Palladium. And so that all ages party was nature's idea and it was genius because now a lot of those kids who were 17 years old at that point in time are kids that are super in the scene now or come to beauty bar or whatever. And being, you know, being the first DJ that someone hears when they're younger and they can't get into anything else and you're playing cool tunes and stuff that's like other places aren't playing, they're going to remember that. So it's, it's, it was like a, it was a cool thing for me because a lot of a lot of uh, people that I've been rocking with me so long kind of came into it early on from those hands up parties that we were doing at the loft. Um, so that that was cool just because I see them now and it's like crazy to think. Like even some of the you know what's so funny is Red Sean was actually like helped us out and stuff too, like wow. on our like in our little crew of people that and I remember he used to hit me up on MySpace and be like, Hey man, I want to DJ like and send me like uh links to DJ like DJ in a box setups and be like, What do you think about this or whatever? And it's cool, man. Like this is he really he really it's started like another wave. Yeah, he yeah. started DJing and like stuck with it and then like had his own style and everything and started doing 
stuff with over at Fallout and yeah. playing like new disco and a exactly. bunch of dance stuff and like production and everything else. You know what I mean? I mean, he, I think he was already doing music. He just really he would come to Zubar and have like the time of his life and and just be like, man, this DJ thing looks so much fun. I wanna, yeah, I wanna, I wanna do it. Same with uh, same with Blake. Like yeah. he was in Oklahoma in college, but he would come out to the hands up parties and the party and uh you know and now he's doing his thing i mean he's like throwing really big parties he's turned into a business he's got sound systems and all that and i mean he was already djing but definitely um those are some of the people that were around then and now have like you know turned what they were doing on a small scale into a business and like Blake and I have done a couple of parties recently, and I think that's the most fun I've had playing in a while over at the Stone Lake. We yeah. did like some '80s parties, oh and it's gosh. like you mentioned the uh, the whole request thing, and it's like if you do a themed party, you know, You're and set. people, yeah, people yeah. are coming for that reason. They're dressing up. No one's really bothering you. I mean, they might ask for an '80s song they want to hear, but it's not like they're coming in with some oddball request that doesn't make any yeah. sense with what you're doing. So those were really fun just because everyone comes out for that reason to dance and like hear a specific era of music or style of music. Yeah. So. And I think that's actually kind of, I don't know if that's like thought out on Blake's end, but I mean, I know requests are extreme pet peeve of most <laughs> DJs. Right. But, um, I don't know. I have to ask him if that was, you know, a part of the idea just to kind of main mainstream an idea. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that 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 doesn't have to be an option. And when you're, you know, when you're hosting a party, yeah, and you know your audience. I mean, it, it, the audience trusts you, you know. For and sure. There's not that so much of that back and forth. Well, I think too, uh, as far as request and Beauty Bar Thursdays, like most people in Dallas have been to Beauty Bar on a Thursday, and it'll, and it's kind of got a built-in crowd. So when there's outsiders that come, I think they kind of just see everybody else having a good time and and join in. Yeah. Um, there are there's still you know each week one or two people that don't get it and right. don't. They don't uh, <laughs> acknowledge the no request sign that lights up and changes colors above yeah. the DJ's head. It's like they look right at it and they ask you for something. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. That's why I have a host to to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good it's idea. It's a lot easier. And then, like I said, I mean, just it being your party, people know. I mean, I think I went maybe... I went recently for the first time in a while to a Thursday, maybe the end of last year or the top of this year. I okay. can't remember. It was too packed to get to <laughs> you. Um, but, yeah, so I also remember one of the first times hanging out with you is when we went and did a road trip. Oh, yeah. With Black Tie Dynasty. That was awesome. For a Jameson party. Yeah. That was cool. It was cool just to, to tag along and see – some friends in another city just like destroy it you know yeah that was so cool that's a cool thing about you know playing other cities or touring is you can kind of like pull all the the tricks out of your bag and rock for a new audience and like you know do do all your fancy stuff that 
that no one's seen in that city. Yeah, that's I true. think with Black Tie, we did like th- all three. We did like San Antonio and okay. Houston and Austin. Yeah. Them that year. Okay. It was a lot of fun. I was also interested to hear about how um, you got to do Leon Bridges' party. Man. Birthday uh, party. So. Leon, I started, uh, he started coming out to Beauty Bar and he came up to me one week and was like, yo, can you play some Young Nation? I thought it was like the coolest request ever because you have a cat from Fort Worth asking for a Dallas artist, like, and Young Nation haven't really put music out in in a while. So I was like, yeah, of course, like, I'm going to drop this. But uh, he he's a big fan of those guys and just that whole dallas boogie movement that was uh popular like in the mid later 2000s but uh so i knew that he had been to the basement when i left beauty bar and went over there for a year but i didn't i just knew that he had showed up before and danced or whatever so um he was back at beauty bar the next week and we just kind of like started talking and uh he he asked me one time or I mean, he knew I was from Fort Worth. I was going out there to see my family. And one week he was like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? We should have lunch or whatever. And uh, we we went and ate at this barbecue spot. I actually think this was after he came to my Satin Sheets party, which was at It'll Do. But he saw It'll Do. He came to a party there and was like, yo, we got to throw a party here. He was like really stoked on the just the vibe of the place and the sound and everything. So then he came to Beauty Bar and was like, hey, we should go to lunch. And then he brought up his birthday. He was like, we should do my birthday party there. And I was like, yeah, let's like, let's do it. So we just started building, kind of like going back and forth and coming up with some ideas and everything. And that's really how it went down. But he told me that he used to come to the basement every week. He was like, yo, that was like, that was our shit. Like we would come and uh, he was like, that was kind of before I was like right on the verge of like popping off. And he was like, we would like, you know, pregame and then go there or whatever. And, and he was like, we look forward to it all week. And I was just like blown away. I was like, That's this is cool, cool because uh, I felt like the friendship was based on like a mutual love for each other's like craft. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when Gorilla vs. Bear posted his first demo or like his first couple of tracks and I heard it and I was like, I mean, it had very few SoundCloud plays, but I was like instantly like, yo, this is, dope and mm-hmm. he's from fort worth he's from where i'm from so in like i was listening to those two tracks kind of like on repeat and i love that sound you know like i love a lot of the stuff on like dap tone and i've seen lee fields like so many times so i love the throwback soul feel that he had and just being from where i'm from i was like extra like stoked on it you know i was just like man i hope this dude makes it and like through girl versus bear like those plays just kept growing and like he blew up and then the same thing it's like dude i mean he's he's come out to parties i've done in la or i've been there and he's like rescheduled his flight to like stay an extra day because i was playing and so it's just awesome to like know that he supports like that you know supports me and has like that that mutual respect for what i do that's so cool man i did see too um you happen to make it to the Houston Rodeo where you played too? Or is that, did you yeah, make that? Yeah, yeah. We did, a, I did an after party for him there. Okay. So uh, he came to, I, I DJed with uh, 
um, Taylor at the opening of Off the Record in Fort Worth. And Leon came through, and the next day he was leaving for Europe, and he came through, like, danced all the way till the lights came on. And I was telling him I was going to try to come out to the Houston show, and he's like, okay, cool. And then we just got to talking, and he was, like, kind of like, what's going on afterwards? And I was like, I mean we can do something. I did a party there for seven plus years. That's like, say the word. And he was like, yeah, let's do that. So I hit data up and was like, let's do top notch reunion slash Leon bridges after party. Wow. And so we just kind of hit the dude up that we worked with all those years. And I mean, he couldn't say no to that. So, and I mean, we had, we had been loyal and, and did our thing there for a long time. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like, a whole lot of fun. Leon and like all his backup singers and some band members came through and did he yeah. he sing something too? Uh he did get on the mic. He sang to some like R and B stuff okay. that I was playing, but I mean he didn't do a performance. He yeah. just kinda like jammed out with us and had a good time. That's so cool. Cause yeah. I saw some of the like they basically like rolled up this like huge ass stage on oh, the radio yeah. ground yeah it was it uh it rolled out into the middle of the arena and then it like also rotated oh wow yeah it was cool uh, yeah that looked pretty crazy i think it was either yours or i think cam if you met cam from the suffers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think she was there yeah. too because they opened for leon the night before that's right in shreveport yeah 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 that's awesome. So you you didn't you went down there just for that. You didn't have another gig down there. Yeah, I just went to the thing. We set up the okay. after party at at Boondocks and did awesome. that. Yeah. Are you doing anything for South by? Um, I am. I'm gonna go down tomorrow and I'm playing uh, the Fader Fort on Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to lock in a gig on Friday, but my connect's like in Europe right now, so it's been tough to organize it. But I kind of, I mean, the 15th, Thursday is my birthday, so I'm just like trying to. I know so many people. Happy early birthday. Thank you. I, I know so many people are going to be down there that it's just going to be a good time. It looks like the weather is sure. going to be good. So. I don't know. So you're leaving tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going to go tomorrow, come back Wednesday, do Beauty Bar, and then me and Sudi are going to New York on Friday. Yeah? What's going on? <clears throat> I'm doing a party for Garrett Light, and then we're doing my Satin Sheets party that Friday night, nice. Sudi and I, and another friend, Zephyr, she, uh, she used to work at Turntable Lab in New York, and then Sudi and I are going to do another party that I got us on uh called Saturdays on Saturday. Yeah. Nice. I so. love Garrett Light. Um I actually got I guess when I would have to say like maybe two thousand fourteen is maybe when he started or somewhere around there, two thousand thirteen. Um when we were part of Red Bull Select they he was one of the vendors for oh, South cool. by and so got like one of his dope like crystal Ass glasses. Have you gotten any yet? Yeah. Yeah. Are those over there. Oh, they yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> the, the he made those because uh, they opened a Dallas store and I did the they did party. That's and right. Those say "Don't mess with Texas" on oh, the inside. Shoot. Yeah, but I did a mix for those guys. Uh, I yeah, I remember seeing that. Mix. Yeah, I think I posted. Yeah, that. Garrett's a great dude. Like, cool cat. He's like around our age. 
way into music. Yeah. No, that's dope. Good people for sure. So you got so pretty much every everyone that knows knows about your weekly at Beauty Bar on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it, except for like special events and stuff here. Yeah, in I mean, I stay booked up. It's just like that. You know, people can check on the Instagram and Twitter. I usually put the other places I'm playing or my website, just djsober.com, and everything's linked there from. Mixcloud to SoundCloud to whatever. Um, yeah, and then Sudi and I's project should probably drop sometime this summer. But lo- really looking forward to that and, like, learning a lot from her Ableton-wise, and that's kind of like, you know, I started teaching her how to DJ, and she's, yeah. like, she's doing great, man. Like, she's so good. She's a perfectionist, so... Um, <clears throat> I really, I really like that because I've never really taught somebody like fully like, hey, people have come to me, but I, Sudi was the right fit. And she said all the right things. She was like, I want to do it for this reason. And this is the kind of stuff I want to play. And everything she said kind of just like hit a check mark in my head. And then the fact that she's such a good musician, I knew that she would, she would take it seriously. So it's like we would be at the house and, she would do a mix and it would be great. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it again. And like, she will just do that one blend over and over until it's like flawless. And that's, that's awesome, man. Like a lot of people start DJing and they just say they're a DJ. It's just like people say they're a photographer or whatever else, you know, right. it's like, there's not really a lot of time put into the craft before they go out and get a weekly or whatever. Yeah. And with Sudi, it's like, we worked for months before, she ever even like said anything yeah and then she played the satin sheets party i did here kind of debuted her dj set with uh her and i and uh, nicole from nina sky and it was great it's recorded it's up on i think her mix cloud or whatever but she's she's killing it that's awesome what do you think as far as tommy and linda like early june or july yeah actually june is kind of what we're we're looking at Okay. Yeah. Well, I might, um, after we get off air, I might have something for you. Cool. Um, Yeah, another thing, as far as, like, you DJing, I mean, obviously, being sober, literally, has probably helped a lot of things as far as just being in the DJ culture, you know, as far as mental health and stuff like that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've hung out with some other DJs that do things in excess, and I feel like I've seen it affect their performance for sure. <clears throat> so I think I think having a clear mind when you're doing something that you have to think so quickly, because not, like, some people maybe plan their stuff out, but for me, everything's freestyled, so it's like, you know the next song could be this or it could be that or people could not be feeling what I'm playing now and I need to get to this tempo and three records or whatever. Yeah. So I definitely think it pays to be sharp and and just kind of on top of things there. As far as everything else, I mean, I don't know. I think back to your thing about being burnt out is like kind of have to balance things out. I think that's one thing that keeps it fresh with me. Like when I started doing 
my zines, like my Sadie ain't Southern zines on a like freight culture and, and like moniker graffiti, which is like a whole other thing. But, uh, I was going to the train yards multiple days a week and taking photos and everything. And I felt like when I started that project, I've, I was getting a little burnt out on DJing, but it that breathed new life into it just because I had a whole other thing I was working on. Yeah. And it made me take a step back from DJing for a few days. And then when I come back to it, oh, I, felt, I, think I felt key. more refreshed. Yeah, yeah. So with anything, like if you're with you and like making music versus DJing, I'm sure like sometimes if you don't DJ for a while and you get asked to do a gig and you go out and you're like, man, this is going to be fun. I haven't got to play out in a while. Right. And like, I have all these new records I want to play. So I really think that whatever type of creative you are, it's just like it pays to have multiple projects going on that, that might differ for, from each other. Yeah. Or even even with that being said, the whole uh, train thing, like going out with some guys that are into that, it's like going into the train yards or whatever they're not part of the music scene or the dallas scene so it's like refreshing to like hang out with people that they kind of don't have anything else in common with me i mean they do there's like some crossover with like music we listen to or whatever but it's cool to kind of like get away from that all together yeah and just like take it with people that are into something totally different so whatever that is if people dj or make music and on their spare time, they play ping pong. I think it's like important to have those other hobbies or You're things. So like right, man. Well, also, so everyone can find you at DJ Sober. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah, DJ Sober Instagrams. Good too. Facebook. Yeah. SoundCloud. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's sober and the number one. Okay. But yeah. It's all linked on the website for sure. I did want, before we get out of here, I mean, most people don't know that you are, yeah, you are an artist. You talked a little bit about it before, and I love the stuff you do. I definitely Thanks, man. want to try to get an original at some point, for sure. Yeah, We've thanks, talked man. about it in the past. Um, but is that all, that can all be found on your website, too? I mean, are you... <laughs> There is a commission link. work or anything like that. I actually am doing a lot of stuff right now for Soul Clap Records uh, oh, dope. out of New York. Yeah, so Eli hit me up, and I've done their monthly flyer poster for the last thing that they've done out in Brooklyn for the last three months. And I'm just did a record label design, and now I'm working on another release uh, that will all be like pressed on vinyl. So, wow. yeah, cool to see like that come come into shape but yeah so i'm working for stuff on them and yeah i uh, uh, always do stuff on the side but there's an i have another instagram sobers flyers okay and that one's just i mean i don't really push it a lot but it's something if people do ask or like oh i didn't do know you did art it's kind of like a a little portfolio of sorts that has a bunch of stuff that i've done uh over the years yeah that's awesome man well is there anything else you want to let people know man you're about uh, yeah i think we we covered a lot of it nice yeah i had fun well cool man well thanks again for showing up and giving me some for love sure. and thanks for the topo chico yeah absolutely <laughs> man um but yeah thanks again for watch or listening and no tv madness 
And uh, we'll see everyone on the flip side. Thanks, Sober. Peace out.